0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai,
1: there's joy in every journey. So, look, I think the answer is, this is still an offense that isn't fully clicking, but They also had opportunities in this game. Two on nobody out in the fifth, they don't score. Two on, two out in the fifth after they get Herman out of the game and they're facing the immortal Lucas Litke, they don't score. Um, The eighth inning, which I thought was really fascinating. So Boone goes to Holmes. I'm taking off the Met fan hat for a second. I'll give you the analyst hat. I loved Boone doing that. I love it. He used his best reliever against the middle of the Met order in the eighth inning because – Managers sometimes make the mistake of, oh, I'm saving him. Saving him? You may never get to use him. Ask Buck Showalter about saving a reliever for when you never get to use him. Zach Britton says hi. Like, I thought it was, again, speaking as a baseball fan, it was an awesome move. And as a Met fan, I'm saying, all right, Clay Holmes throws 100-mile-an-hour sinkers. This guy's impossible to hit patrol walk because Clay's, you know, had some control issues. And Vogelbach draws the walk. No-brainer pinch running for him. I know you lose the bat, but no-brainer. You got to get Jankowski on the bases. And then Mark Hanna hits that ground ball on a 3-2 pitch in which they're sending the runner, thank God. And Janikowski makes this incredible juke to miss out on Glaber and respect to Glaber Torres. Because Glaber Torres, after letting it sink in, quickly. Sa- I don't know if they showed this on TV. I apologize if they did. I'm at the game. Glaber's Torres starts putting his hands out saying no to Aaron Boone. Do not challenge it. I thought that was great. It was Glaber's way of saying, no, I did not tag him. Don't do it. We will lose. So I respect that. I respect a player basically saying, don't do it. So runner on second, two outs. And as a Met fan, I'm saying, don't walk McNeil. Because I don't trust Eduardo Escobar. Who would? He was 0 for 3 with three strikeouts at that point. Will Boone learn from the mistake of the night before when he didn't walk McNeil with a base open? And it appeared they were pitching around them. I love it because as a Met fan, I want McNeil to hit. I want him to hit. But if I'm a Yankee fan, I'd I'd walk him. There's no way I'm letting Jeff McNeil beat me. And Glaber Torres bailed everybody out with that great play. But look, Clay Holmes extends the game. But I also knew, we also knew, as Seth Lugo pitched, maybe one of his better games, the back-to-back strikeouts in the eighth, he gets through the ninth inning. The Mets better win the game in the ninth inning because if they go to the 10th with the Manfred rule and a runner on second, Tommy Hunter's coming in. And even though the Yankees have their own issues with their bullpen, this is not a situation you want to be in. So I, I don't know if you felt this way. Bottom of the ninth, I'm thinking they got to beat Wandy Peralta, the birthday boy, because if this thing goes extra innings, this is gonna this ain't working for us.
2: No, and, and as soon as Escobar doubled off to, to lead the inning, I'm like, okay, this is it. We wrapped it up. It was perfect. Oh, really? You were confident? we wanted. Look him at more. you. Oh, 100%. Uh, I've always been confident with this team. <laughs> I confidently give me a headache, but I, I'm I've always confident with that. But, yes, uh, well, listen, Escobar from the right side, he's beautiful. He I is.
1: He's a different hitter. I mean, he really has. I mean, especially when you look at – I think he faced Litke from the right side in one of the strikeouts. But remember, he was 0-3 with three strikeouts coming into that at-bat. But yeah, jumps on a first pitch, rips a double. And what's great is it's, it allows you to take the bat out of Nitto's hand. Because you know Nitto is going to lay down a bunt. And I apologize, because I've had a few people criticize me for this. Nito, I call him Nitto for some reason. Nito. So I'm going to fix it. I'm going to learn. Okay. It only takes me seven years sometimes with players, you know, where I'm like, "Oh, that's how
2: you're pronouncing." It. I used Mark, to call
1: J-Rus familiar J J Roos or something like I forget what I used
2: J-Rus? to call it, something like that. It's, it's yeah, more, they used to call him J Roos. It's more Kenya, by the way, right? No, don't Kenya. start with me with uh, that. A son of a bitch. <laughs> by the way, Tomos Tomos love... Nito, is it Nito Nito?
1: No, yeah, it's Nito.
2: Yeah, well, it wasn't a Nito bunt the first attempt. It was terrible, actually. Did you no, that
1: was bad. But you know what? I oddly had confidence because Tomas Nito, what I like about Tomas Nito is he knows he sucks as a hitter. He does. Like, he accepts that. We've seen him lay down sacrifices before. Tomas Nito brings back the aspect of the pitcher hitting because he knows he's, you know, sort of a pitcher, even though he did have a double in the third inning, which started that whole rally where Lindor got the big hit. So Nito loves to bunt. I get that impression. Like, yeah, oh, perfect spot to bunt. This is a no brainer. Because you move, obviously, Escobar to 30 finally gets it down. And now you got Nimmo, Marte, Lindor runner around third less than two outs. When Nimmo hit the comeback, or I'm actually screaming, Escobar's got to run on contact. Because that ball was hit off of the mound. It was going to be a tough play for Wandi Peralta. Obviously, he's not running on contact infield hit. And then... Once they brought the infield in, and they had to, because it's very difficult to turn two on Starling Marte, I felt good. You had more wiggle room. And that line drive is probably caught if the infield's back. Because I think it gives IKF more room to make that play. But then obviously Marte gets the hit and we all celebrate. And it was a really, really good win because this was the game they had to win. You know, I know by the time it's 2-2 in the eighth inning, it doesn't matter that it was scherzer Herman. I totally understand that. But I think as a Met fan, going into that game, that was the game we needed to win. And it would have been a major buzzkill to split and to blow a lead, especially with the fact that the Atlanta Braves have started to lose, which is great to see. They lose two out of three to the Philadelphia Phillies, and all of a sudden we're three games up, four in the loss column. Like, it's not a huge lead, but it's wiggle room. We were sitting here Sunday night or before the Sunday night game thinking, oh my God, we're going to lose first place. And look, we still may. There's a ton of games coming up with Atlanta, but it does feel good now going into the off day, going into the series against the Marlins, knowing, okay, back to 3-4 in the loss column. That is a very good feeling as a Met fan. A very good feeling. Um, As far as the first game is concerned, look, Taiwan Walker in a lot of ways was his most impressive because, and we've touched on this, Taiwan Walker had a terrible second half last year. He was 0-8 with like a 70 ra He was that bad. And when he gives up back to back home runs in the first, there is a feeling of here we go again. I was, I don't know if you saw this off. I was actually caught on TV after the Judge home run. Did you see this?
2: Uh I saw the Judge home run. Which which broadcast? The S N Y one?
1: No, TBS. That's why I'm that's sure most people didn't see it.
2: No, I was I was watching the TBS one. No, I missed that. Really? I have to go back. I yeah. Have to I-
1: I had this sent to me by my brother-in-law and then obviously a lot of trolls on Twitter. Um, So Judge hits the home run and there's a a view of me just disgusted. Like, my face is just... (laughs) And the best part is my son who went to the game, Jet, my oldest, has his head down scoring the game, like writing down the home run, which is fantastic. But we were all disgusted. I mean, listen, we were all disgusted by giving up back-to-back home runs. And I don't know if this popped in your mind, bro, here we go. Second half Taiwan Walker. Like it's got it. Did that not approach your brain at all in the first inning?
2: Uh it, it was more like uh I'm where well, we're gonna get screwed versus the Yankees, and it's, it's the first inning. This is not how I want this series to go. I wasn't thinking more about Walker, more about myself. No, I, I listen, I get
1: it. Especially when you've got Yankee fans in your household. In my case, I'm at City Field, so I got Yankee fans all around me. Um, Buck's made this comment before, and I want to give him some credit for it because I think it really was the case in game one. He says, sometimes Brandon Nimmo has an at-bat that wins us the game or helps us win the game, even if he doesn't come through. That at-bat in the first thing against Jordan Montgomery was an example of that. Uh, he was behind in the count 0-2, fouled a bunch of pitches off battled, eventually lines out the center field. But right after that, Marte hits a home run, Lindor doubles, Alonzo doubles, Escobar hits the home run. There's no way to prove that the Nimmo at-bat led to that. But we've seen this before. And what was encouraging about that is Nimmo has not been hitting. He really he didn't hit in this series. He had the infield hit in the ninth inning against Peralta, but outside of that, I think he was one for nine. He has not hit, but he can still contribute with an at-bat like that. And obviously the Met offense responding after Taiwan Walker ran into his trouble was huge. Taiwan Walker with that huge pickoff, he's perfected the whole. I'm going to lull you to sleep with the slow lob the first, and then boom, I'm going to pick your ass off. But the fact that, and look, he was very lucky to get to the fourth inning. I thought Rizzo was right for swinging 3-0. Taiwan Walker essentially admitted he lobbed it in, hits the ball almost a, a, out of the ballpark. Buck showed confidence to even let him start the fifth. And by the way, I think a part of that is the bullpen sucks. I really do. I think a lot of Buck pushing starters has been, I have more faith in them than I do those guys. Because if the Mets had a deep bullpen, no joke, I think Taiwan Walker's out of the game after the fourth inning. I really do. Now, sometimes it works, right, Pete? Because Buck says, hey, my bullpen sucks. I'm going to let Ty start the fifth inning. He retires the next six guys. It's great. He pitches six innings. Everybody's happy. But if you've got a deep bullpen, I don't know if he starts the fifth inning
2: dude I don't know if you saw, I don't know if he saw because I saw but he had Tommy Hunter warming up in like the fourth inning or whatever it was yeah and I'm sure that lit a fire under his ass like dude I can't let this guy blow this game because that's what we're talking about Tommy Hunter in the eighth ninth tenth inning all oh, this game is basically over and the In the fourth inning, Tommy Hunter coming in, I mean, who knows where that game could have gone. So, uh, you know, I I thank God he buckled down. It's
1: weird, and I I hope the Mets have this incredibly deep bullpen in a couple of days before the trade deadline. I mentioned the guys I want already, Robertson, Chafin, guys like that. But one of the weird things about having a crappy bullpen, and I, I can't prove this unless Buck admits it, is that it forces you to push starting pitchers more. And sometimes, not always, because I remember earlier this year with Chris Bassett, I thought he left him in way too long and pushed him. But in a night like Monday or Tuesday, I should say, whenever the freaking first Subway Series game was, I forgot the days.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It benefits you because he got six outs from Taiwan Walker in the
1: fifth and sixth that I'm not sure he asks to get. If he's got a deeper bullpen, because right now his circle of trust and maybe Lugo changes that with the way he pitched in the finale of the subway series. But the circle of trust in the Met bullpen is Edwin Diaz and Adam Adovino. That's it. Like, there's no one else you can trust in this bullpen. And I know most of us kind of look at Adam Adovino and say, ah, eventually he'll blow up. And And I still feel that way. But I got to give the man credit. I mean, Adam Adovino has been utterly brilliant since Memorial Day. If you look at his numbers since the Philly series, remember when he gave up the game-tying home run on that, I think, a Sunday night, the Mets won it anyway? He's been amazing. <laughs> he just righties, lefties. He has been unbelievable. And look, to his credit, I think, or, or to Buck's credit, I thought Buck handled it perfectly where – He pitches the seventh. wasn't the cleanest inning, but he was able to get through it and get the big out, especially the caught stealing, which was monstrous. He lets him start the eighth. As soon as he walks Aaron Hicks, he goes to Edwin Diaz. And I know Boone kind of played it off like, I was trying to get Edwin Diaz in the game so that he wouldn't be available the next day, which technically worked. Edwin Diaz wasn't available. But in the moment, we all want Edwin Diaz on the mound. And it's crazy that we've gotten to that point, but we're, we're here. I mean, the guy's been amazing. The guy's been unbelievable. Uh, Do we ultimately believe he's going to be the guy that dominates a postseason run and helps us win a championship? I don't know. We've seen so many postseason failures from closers. It's tough because Craig asked me that. Like, hey, are you confident in Edwin Diaz in the playoffs? Look, Edwin's had an amazing year. I don't want to take anything away from him. He has shown me no signs that he's going to struggle in a big spot, which is another compliment to Edwin. But I think the scar tissue of being a Met fan is that Armando Benitez exists. Billy Wagner exists. J-Riz Familia exists. Armando Benitez exists. Armando Benitez exists. John Franco exists. And Armando Benitez exists. And so it's tough to ever believe, oh yeah, he's going to be you know, dominant in the postseason. That's why, and I don't know if Boomer was just busting people's balls the other day, but when Boomer compared Edwin Diaz to Mariano Rivera, it's either the dumbest thing I've ever heard, or it's just Boomer being a good you know shock shock radio host. The reason Mariano Rivera can never be compared to anybody is is, is the postseason dominance. And I know he's had his moments in the postseason. But he has a 0.90 ERA in the playoffs. Like, literally let that sink in. A 0.90 ERA in the postseason. I'm going to say it one more time because it's ridiculous. He has a 0.90 ERA in the postseason, and he appeared in like 95 games. So it's more than a sample size of a full season. Uh, look, I don't know what the hell is going to happen in the playoffs. What I do feel good about is that in these big regular season moments that you can compare to the playoffs, Edwin Diaz has come up huge. And he looks unhittable right now. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he looks absolutely unhittable. And Hoff, to your point, Bucks used him correctly, I guess. I don't know what incorrectly truly is. But what he's done with him has worked
2: because he's been amazing. If you want to know what incorrectly it is, look at last year, look at Mickey <laughs> Callaway years, and then you'll be like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense. I understand it." When you use him like three or four days in a row, non-save situations, you don't really understand like the the, the situational hitting pitchers too, the situational batters. Like, I think Buck understands what. Part of the lineup is important, and like, he's done. It. Yeah, brings him in the eighth inning. If you think if that's the biggest situation, it's beautiful.
1: I, I love it. And look, Boone Boone did that in Game Two of this series too, with his best reliever, which I think all managers should do. Um, I never thought this at the time, but in that wild card game where Zach Britton wasn't used by Buck Showalter, it's probably one of the most defining managerial moments of Buck's career. I know Yankee fans could bring up stuff from '95, and I respect that, but the Britton thing is like a defining moment. I think it's the greatest thing that ever happened to us as Mets fans because he will not, he will not leave Edwin Diaz in that bullpen in a must-win game. He won't. I really do. I think you learn lessons in life as managers, as whatever you do. Edwin Diaz will be deployed in a major spot. There will never be a bullet left in the chamber because Buck learned his freaking lesson from Zach Britton.
2: Listen, let me tell you something, okay? It has hit the little league level even where coaches are like, I cannot have my best pitcher not get in this game in an important game. If it's a tournament game or whatever, if we lose or we're out, I need my best pitcher in here just to shut everything yeah. down. Like, it, it has to happen. And, That's your go-to every, every and, time.
1: And there's so many moments in baseball history where that philosophy, which I think is just wrong of, no, I got to save him. Uh, Came back and bit you. Yankee fans. I I don't know if any Yankee fan is listening to especially this edition of the Rico. Put Joe Torre and Mariano Rivera in the 03 World Series. Like, he didn't use Mariano Rivera. He went to Jeff freaking Weaver, who gave up the home run to Alex Gonzalez. Like, you have to use your best reliever. You just have to. All right, a couple of things I want to get to. Number one, Jacob. Jacob DeGrom. I did watch his performance because I bought the minor league baseball ticket package, whatever it is. Uh, It was an early start. So his velocity was down, and I can't be a hypocrite about it. I, I have always raised red flags for years. This isn't new, that, wow, it's abnormal. Jake throws as hard as he does as often as he does. So I've said that before. It's nothing new. I can't sit here and say, oh, my God, he's only throwing 95. Like, that's what I want. You know, I, I want Jacob DeGrom to be more like a Verlander or Scherzer who pick their moments to deploy that top velocity. Now, I have a buddy of mine who played college baseball, and he says, Evan, this proves you're a NARP, like Boomer says. It's not that easy. You can't. It's not a button you can press to change the velocity of your pitches. And look, I'm not going to argue that because what the hell do I know? All I'm stating is I've always been concerned about how fast he throws as often as he does. That's all. I'm not telling you that I know for sure that's caused injuries or that there is a button you could press to not throw as hard. Like, I'm not arguing that because obviously I don't know how to throw 98. <laughs> I really don't. But when I did see his velocity down, my only worry is, is he feeling okay? Not why is his velocity down? His velocity being down was 95, 96. It wasn't 89, 90. Uh, he had a rocky second inning. I don't care about that. What I cared about was he got a lot of swing and misses. He pitched better in the third and fourth inning. And as of now, he feels good. And that's all that matters. Jacob DeGrom has set a bar for us in terms of how well he's pitched when he's pitched. That's ridiculous. It doesn't exist. He had a 108 ERA or whatever it was. Jacob DeGrom's going to give up runs the way Max Scherzer gives up runs, the way Garrett Cole gives up runs. If Jacob DeGrom comes back and has a 2-6 ERA, we'd probably be pretty good with that, right? That's a run and a half higher than when he pitched to last year. But we can't have that standard. I just want him to be an ace. Doesn't have to be historic. Doesn't have to be Bob Gibson. But more than anything, I want him to pitch. Because when Jacob DeGrom pitches, he's really good. It's pretty simple. He's really good. Again, not 2021 historical good. He doesn't have to be. But... I just want to see him pitch. That's all I'm at right now. So I think what's going to be big over the next few days is what do we hear about Jake? Do we hear that he had soreness? Do we hear that he's being shut down? Or do we hear, hey, all good, let him make his first start in Washington against the Nationals, which is when it would be, either Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Keep this in mind. There's a 30-day clock. We've talked about this. The 30-day clock's going to run out on August 3rd. So he's got to make a major league start. I mean, he has to be added to the roster. Or he goes, you know, I think they restart the whole freaking thing. Uh, He can't do rehab. I think that's how it works. If he starts Monday or Tuesday in Washington, he's in line to face the Braves. Is that a big deal, you ask? I'm mixed about that. Normally, I'd say, of course, it's a big deal. Of course, Jake has to face the Braves. They have a five-game series against the Braves. I am at such a beginning stage with Jake because he's only made a handful of starts over the last year and a half where give him extra time if he needs it, just get him back. I can't look at a series in August at home when there's another series against the Braves a week later in Atlanta and say, but I have to have him face the Braves at Citi Field. I don't. I don't. If this was a healthy Jacob DeGrom, I'd say, of course he has to face the Braves at Citi Field. But we're working our way back with him. So if he makes his return, let's say, Wednesday against the Nationals, which is an afternoon game, and he misses the Atlanta series, it's not the end of the world. He gets lined up against Cincinnati. Maybe it's easier to start off that way. Maybe it's better for Jake to have, as great as he is, a nice soft landing spot as he arrives back onto the scene.